Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I said it before and I'll say it again because it is worth repeating. Man, we live in such a woke culture. Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, just the overflow and the abundance of generational curses being broken and generational wealth being accumulated and several streams of income being the focus and everyone wants to be you know the first millionaire in their family and while all of these things are awesome while all of these things are life-changing blood tree timeline changing all of that there's nothing wrong with that it's just like you, you gotta admit it hasn't been this talk Right. As we were growing up, like I wasn't at the family barbecue hearing grandma, auntie and them talk about this. <laughs> we weren't in a barbecue doing the electric slide talking about we getting ready to break electric, um, the electric slide real quick because we want to talk about actually breaking generational curses. Like, let me go ahead and tell like we, we weren't having those talks. Those talks weren't being, you know, the topic of discussion at the Thanksgiving or any other Saturday weekend gathering. And so it is kind of hard to you know turn a blind eye to the fact that we really have what I would just like to go ahead and coin lovingly and say a woke generation people are no longer okay with keeping the family secrets people are no longer okay with just you know we we, we don't talk about that we don't talk about our feelings we don't talk no we we, we do there, there is a lot of talk on the mental health side people now therapy is not as taboo in the culture, you understand? Like, it, you got to admit, like, there is some, like, grand rising in the spirit in the generations and the generations to come. Yes, we got to agree with that. And so I was having this kind of like an epiphany. I was like, man, you know, I have never been more excited and also very kind of saddened by the level of wokeness. And I'll tell you why. When I walked away from the job, if I am staying in the vein of what the generation is speaking about, the generational curses being broken, I mean, we even went ahead and made it scriptural because it is a scriptural thing, the whole generational wealth thing, right? When I stay in the vein of that, I was like, so am I failing my generation because I decided to walk away from corporate? You know, this, this is just some real talk that I was having with myself. Like, so am I doing my children's children and my children injustice because I'm not a part of the grind hustle culture? Am I doing something that is not going to be a favorable outcome for my particular descendants? And so I was like, hmm, because before I'm ever going to, I'm always going to fact check my feelings. Because I'm just not interested. And listen, I play no games with the enemy when it comes to emotions. I understand that emotions are such a strong portal for the enemy specifically that he used that very arsenal, that very tool to let uh, E fall in the Garden of Eden. So whenever there's a emotion that enters the chat, I quickly grab it by the ear like mm -mm, come into principal's office because I need to see the facts. <laughs> you understand? So I went ahead and I pulled up. That very verse that everyone don't even know they being evangelistic uh, grandbabies out here. I wanted to read this inheritance and all of that that we've been reading. So literally it is found in Proverbs 1322. 
the NIV version says, a good person hmm, leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Oh, come on now, church. Yes. Let me get some King James in here real quick. A good man hmm, leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is paid up for the just. I, come on, sir. Let me get some new King James version in here. Um, a good man hmm, leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, no matter what version I read it in, there were a few key words that kept popping out to me. One was the word good. Okay, because if you do these things, then you're considered good for your particular family tree. Cool. The other was inheritance. And then the other was wealth. And so I was like, okay, I understand that the principle behind this is if you do these things, if you store up this particular wealth in all of these things for your descendants to come, then you will be considered a good aspect, a good person, a good asset to your bloodline. Cool. I get that. But inheritance and wealth, those kept popping up to me. And what I know about the Holy Spirit is when he's trying to get my attention and he's doing that little spiritual <clears throat> within me, then that means I need to delve a little bit deeper. And so I said, okay, what is it about that I need to understand further about inheritance and about wealth? So I looked up inheritance and I wanted the Merriam Webster and the bishops thereof to tell me what exactly that means. And the definition for inheritance reads as follows. Something that is or may be inherited to, actually it says 2A, the act of inheriting property, B, the reception of genetic qualities by transmission from parent to offspring, C, the acquisition of a possession condition or trait from past generations I said mm, I'm sorry um Miriam you stay right there let me see what investopedia.com describes inheritance as and they described inheritance as inheritance refers to the assets that an individual bequeaths <laughs> to their loved ones after they pass away an inheritance may contain cash investments such as stocks or bonds and other assets such as jewelry, automobiles, art, antiques, and real estate. And so I saw an obvious difference, if you will. I was like, see, Investopedia is looking more of the financial side, the things that you can tangibly pass on to generation to generation. So to me, if I had to coin it or, or put a difference between the two, if we are playing a space game, you know, it's one side says us and the other side says them. I feel like Investopedia will be them. This is how the earth, the world uh, describes inheritance. And again, it's assets, it's uh, cash, investments, stocks, bonds, jewelry, automobiles, art, antiques, real estate, anything that I can go ahead and inherit from you and get cash from someone else. That's how the world, in my opinion, goes ahead and defines inheritance. But what that Merriam-Webster did, I want to go ahead and put that on the other side of us. Because um, that grandbaby said, 
the first she she got how many is this? It's one, two, three. It's a couple. So the first definition again says something that is or may be inherited. Okay, very general. I need you to give me a little bit more. She said, <laughs> hold your meal. Two A, the act of inheriting property. Okay. B, the reception of genetic qualities by transmission from parent to offspring. C, the acquisition of a possession, condition, or trait from past generations. Now I said, now hold on there, Marianne Webb. <laughs> hold on there now, Mary Webby. Okay, because now you're getting deep into the, to the oasis. You're getting into a situation that most people don't really see because when people think of wealth, they think of what you can put in my hand, what can go in my bank account, what can go in my pocket. And nobody is seeing that it's soul wounds being passed from generation to generation. No one sees that mental health is passed down from generation to generation. That actually physical health and ailments and medical conditions thereof are passed down from generation to generation. Why do you think when you go to the doctor, the first thing they want to know is, um, what's on your mama's side? What's on your daddy's side? Hmm. The first thing that they want to know is, okay, um, well, how many partners have you had when you go to certain doctors? Hmm. Okay. And how many partners have they had? Hmm. And so what we're not understanding is things are getting passed down inherently. That is way more that goes beyond the sight of, is it a dollar sign in from in front of it? No, sometimes there's a soul transaction that happens that you have no idea about until you get close enough to somebody that they can actually smell your spirit, that you get close enough to somebody that they can actually investigate your soul wound. That it's like, time out, you handle anger a little different and only you can really identify, oh, I'm sorry, I picked that up from my mother. Yeah, you see, because when we were little, we weren't talking about things. We were actually throwing stuff. <laughs> we were getting high. Like, if you was listening and on, it would be like, oh, do I need to call the 911? Or do I just need to be nosy? Like, how far into this, like, do I need to involve myself? Oh, no, see, I'm sorry. I got, <laughs> I actually got that from my daddy. Because, you see, when things are difficult and uh, it, it, it kind of brushes along the responsibility or the fear chamber. See, with my daddy, um, fear uh bought on these tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. And so what he did is that whenever he was scared about something, whenever something kind of made him confront himself, he ran. And so, yeah, I, I only know that when something scares me or I don't have the words to put to something or I feel inadequate to approach a situation, all I know how to do is run. I'm sorry, I inherited that from my daddy. Oh, I'm sorry, my grandmother? Mm. <laughs> yeah, see, the part that you see that uh, I, I get angry fast. I'm, I'm hot tempered. Um, the part that you see that rebuke that name of Jesus, but the part that you see that has an everlasting love, um, sometimes for love that you should have left a long time ago, AKA granddaddy, God bless him. Um, yeah, see that, that now staying too long. Um, I got that from my grandmother. So I'm gonna go ahead and so, sorry, I inherited that from her. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Oh, People pleasing, my bad, didn't mean it. I actually inherited that from my aunt because um, at the same time that she was saying, you know, don't care about what people think, um, you know, they can't put it, put, they have, they don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. Um, while she was giving me that, she also was giving, oh, I can't let nobody see my hair like this. Or, oh, I can't let people see my nails like this. People going to talk bad about me. Or, oh, and she would kind of like code switch a little bit when, when we got in front of certain people or if we got into certain circles or, and so I'm sorry, um, that part I inherited from my aunt. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you see that I need something to kind of cope with when it comes to me getting in a certain mood. Oh, picking up a vice of sorts. I apologize. Actually got that from my uncle. And so if we're not careful, we will never be able to truly break generational curses 
because you don't even realize what you inherited generationally. And I said, I wonder if people are as aware that inheritance is way more than wealth. Inheritance is way more than what you can actually cash in and cash out. It has nothing to do with the bank and has everything to do with your soul. Because let me explain something to you. Go ahead and get a large inheritance, right? You hear about the people all the time that make it to the league and NFL, make it to the NBA. They get their first big check. And guess what? Because they didn't inherit it financial wisdom, then that wealth is zero zings and got no higher. You put something great, something tangible in the hands of someone who is poor or lacks the knowledge or the wisdom to manage a thing, then guess what? It's almost as if you didn't give them nothing at all. So yes, let God go ahead and bless you with a good man. And you can't even see him because you know why? You're looking through the eyes of the hurt of your mother. Your mother never got over the hurt of that one time she got hurt with your father that time. Your aunt never got over that one time that your uncle did A, B, and C. Your granddaddy, as a matter of fact, your, your grandmother's still trying to get over A, B, and C. And so you don't even know how to identify a good man if God was to go ahead and have good man tattooed on his forehead because that part of choosing a man, you didn't inherit that. Who actually sat you down and said, listen, um, for what is in you, these are the qualities that you should be looking to pair with. Hmm. I'm sorry. Who taught you womanhood, how to choose a wife, sir? Or did you just learn no matter what goes on in the household, as soon as I take the husband role, I'm going to suffer the way my dad did because my dad didn't leave because he was suffering from something that probably he was punishing himself for early on in his life. And so now all that you know how to do as far as husband is concerned is that you're doing some outside work. You're doing some of the inside work with the kids. And no matter how traumatic this relationship is with you and your wife, sir, that you stay because that's the punishment you inherit from your dad who taught you that listen instead of saying oh you got an attitude problem when you a teenager who taught you how to actually sort through your emotions and actually put some words to your feelings to actually fact check your emotions who was close enough to you to say listen I noticed that you get a little you act like this when this happens can you explain why you do that or let me help you put some words to that who taught you how to dissect your emotions or or you can't because what you saw was Tasmanian devil growing up. So you just learned, ooh, I don't like the way I look when I get mad. So what I'll try to do is I would try to hold it back for as long as I can, suppress it. But let me tell you something. You press the wrong button, you don't get every piece of this Tasmania. And so you've learned two gauges. Super duper calm, I tried not to say anything. And then the, the charge up and oh, there she go. Why? Who did you inherit that from? Oh, everybody on your family's on that particular side got a temper? Hmm. Okay. Everybody on that side of the family don't know how to manage money? Everybody on that side of the family chooses the wrong spouse, the wrong person to have children by? Everybody, Nobody in that side of the family has a degree? Nobody on that side of the family has any type of assets? Everybody has a liability kind of life? Everybody is struggling? Oh, that side of the family, all they do is gossip? Oh, that side of the family, all they're really, really good at is keeping the family secrets and suppressing it to the point that they hope nobody emerges from the concrete to be able to 
live and tell the story like oh like no matter what you do everybody is in subsidized housing like I'm sorry so no matter what you so I'm sorry are you inheriting things and you're not even aware that you need to break that first before you start wanting to put some money in your children's children's pockets like that's the real generation of curses we need to be looking at and I dove deep into myself I was like, okay, so if it's bigger than money, if it's bigger than finances, if it's bigger than tangible items, then what's some of the things that I truly want to make sure that I pass down to my children, children's children? What do I want to enter the chat from my generation to come? What do I want to enter the bloodline that wasn't in my bloodline before? And I said, freedom. I want to gift my children and my children's children freedom. The freedom to choose where they want to work and how they want to work. The freedom to be emotionally stable and sound enough to choose who they want to pair their life with. The freedom to be able to be brave enough to make a mistake. The freedom to know that no matter how they navigate this world, as long as it's in moral decency and that they really feel like to the best of their their that they can go ahead and manage, that they did the best that they knew that they could. Because, like, I heard Chance Brown say on the podcast one time, and I was like, that is amazing, which is Tabitha Brown's husband. She said, he said, um, I will never bail you out, but I will always be there for you. And I'm paraphrasing. And, and that's what I truly want to bring. Like, if you, I want to be able to give the gift of freedom. Think about it. How brave would you have been if you knew I'm going to explore my purpose. I'm going to go out and set forth and do my calling. I'm going to go ahead and navigate and just really see what it is that I want to go to school for. What If I want to be an entrepreneur, if I want to be a corporate person, I just need the time to really dissect if this is the person I really want to be with. Like I just need a, a sounding board to be able to help me from what they know of me and the fact that I know that they won't stir me wrong, that I truly just want the freedom of having a life that looks like like I took my time. There was no rush that I was surrounded by people that were like, mm, okay, so based upon what you know of yourself or to be able to say, you know what? It sounds like you don't know enough of yourself yet to make that commitment. Or it sounds like you're still unsure. Did you pray about it? Like to be, to have the freedom to have a life painted in a way that when you step back from the canvas of your life, you see the colors that are so beautiful because you allow God the time and the space to mix and customize the colors that suit you best. Because most of the culture, what happens is you're 18, you have to leave. You finish college, you're going to have to figure out something. Oh, you able to work now? I need you to go ahead and start working and handle these bills and help out with the family. We just pass down pain. We just pass down bills. We just pass down responsibilities. We just pass down mindsets. I was actually told when I was younger, nobody likes their job. Ask anybody. Nobody likes their job. It's just a part of working. And to literally watch people work things that made them, when they came home to their family, they were a different person. You're tired. You're grumpy. You're depleted. You want to sit in the driveway for a little bit longer before you actually even come inside the house. And it's like, I'm sorry, but that takes up so much of your life and it depletes you from the life that God actually wanted for you to have. I put before you life and death. Choose life is what the Bible says, which means to me that there are options 
And you chose the one that was going to deplete you. You chose the one that was going to make you not be whole for your family. You chose the one that put money in your pocket, but kept that hole in your soul. Like, I'm sorry. Why did you choose death when he gave you the option and the answer? I put before you life and death, choose life. Hmm. I am so honored that God would use me in such a way that instead of wanting to give a generational wealth, I'm going to give all that, but I'm also going to add something to the bloodline that we never had. I'm also going to add, no, it don't run on my side of the family. Nope. Because guess what? When my mother went to the doctor, they asked about her mother. When I go to the doctor, they ask about my mother. But when my children go to the doctor, they're going to ask about me. Come on, Holy Spirit. They're going to ask about me. And it's going to be an entirely different story. Nope. It don't run on my mother's side. Nope. It, she don't have that kind of issue. Nope. She already handled that in the spiritual realm. Yup. We have that particular finances together. Yup. We understand um, how credit works now. Yup. We understand that we're not working nowhere where we feel withered inside in our souls. Nope. We are not going ahead and just asking people, what's your favorite color? Nope. It's way bigger than that. If I'm going to go ahead and collaborate my life with somebody, then they have to be a part of a life that only God can show me. Yo, if, if this is a person, nope, you cannot choose somebody because they feel like home. And what you don't understand is that you had a broken home. So you choosing somebody out of your brokenness nope so when my children go somewhere they gotta reference me and so what I'm about to do is enter the chat with something so different that when they reference me it erases everything before me that's the kind of that's what I'm bringing and so the question that kept plaguing me to make me even want to get to this posture to make me even want to step this kind of way was like yo what did you inherit And now what I'm doing is, oh, yeah, we about to, I'm about to do something different. We're not looking at money the same. We're not doing none of that. Hey, that scarcity mindset when it comes to finances, yo, you can go ahead and check out the chat now because not passing you along. We're going to be very, very aware because money was taboo. You didn't tell kids what you made. You didn't, uh uh-uh, that's grown folks business. But, But if I'm going to eventually be a grown folk, then you're letting me go out into that part of the world naked and it's going to eventually bring some shame because now what's going to happen is I'm going to have to get into a financial bind, a financial situation, a financial discord to have somebody who don't know me, who didn't raise me, who don't love me, teach me how to get out of this pit because you didn't want to show me how to get to the palace. Even if you weren't at the palace yourself, you can at least show me your pain so I can learn from your lesson. I don't have to have the bruise to get the lesson. I can look at your scar and say, okay, and choose different. You understand? People are wanting to just look so buttoned up. But when you look at the greats, we learn from their scars. We got motivational speakers making buku dollars because of their story. I was eating out the, gar- the garbage can and I was kicked out at 16. That's not something that you will want to tell your kids. And this man is out here telling the world. Eric Thomas is telling the world and he's making money and he has built his, his business and wealth behind his story. Yet you got parents that want to hide it from their kids. So then how do we learn? You don't want to tell your friends. So then how do they learn? 
If everybody just wants to look polished and pristine, then we're never going to break curses. We're never going to introduce blessings. And this is what we will continue to pass on from generation to generation. Be bold enough to say, I chose wrong the first time. That's why that marriage didn't work out. Yeah, the reason why I didn't work out with your father is because I was this kind of person at that. So I attracted to the level of my healed. And in that case, I attracted to the level of my brokenness. So guess what? Broken be got broken. And then I had a baby. Be bold enough to say, yo, I didn't know what to do with none of that money. So I hid it for a little bit. And then I, I don't know. You, I, I just went out and started buying stuff like, oh, okay, nobody taught you that if you buy something, that's not an asset. You never see your money again. Yeah, what did we learn? That you can be in subsidized housing and still have Yeezys. Like, what? You want the BMW and still be in an apartment? What? You see, you see what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with a BMW. But at this point, uh, is, it, is it aligning to where you want to go? Because if the BMW is a stretch for you to go ahead and cover the maintenance and everything else, then you shouldn't have got nobody's BMW nothing. Because some people, everybody doesn't want to be a homeowner. But you got to make sure your priorities are so in place that when you're looking at what you want your future descendants to inherit, that they don't inherit the mindset of flashy car and empty bank account. Great job, poor work ethic. Great salary, nothing in retirement. You see what I'm saying? Those are oxymoronic. You see what I'm saying? And so God was just working on me. I was like, yo, I can't keep this to myself. <laughs> you understand? There's, there's some stuff that you just like, you know what? This is good enough to want to share with the world. I wish I had a the, the New York lottery uh, microphone so I could just shout out to the world. Like, yo, it's bigger than what you buy. It is bigger than that. It's what you let enter the chat on the generational, like, Group chat. Like, what do you like? I hate the fact that you can speak to somebody and it's too many me too's. Oh, that's, oh, your parents did that to you too? You know, the only time I didn't have a me too experience when, when discussing life and life matters with someone is when I was speaking to people outside of my culture. I never forget. It blew my mind speaking to a Caucasian descent and I asked them, I remember like it was yesterday. I asked this one girl that I was working with. I said, where do you live? She said, with my parents. I said, what? How old are you? She said, 23. I was like, and you still live with your people? And she looked at me just as equally confused. She was like, I'm not married yet. And because her face was so confused and it was making me further, the more confused, I was like, wait, so how you, did they tell you when you were younger? Like when you get 18, you're going to have to get up out of here. She was like, no. I said, so what's the reoccurring thing you heard when you were younger? She said, oh, they told me when I go to college, make sure I have my eye out for a husband. That, that, that's pretty much what they tell you because they, they want you to meet somebody who's on the same path as you. I said, really? She's like, yeah, what did they tell you? I said, 18, you better be out of here. And, oh, don't bring no babies in this house because we're going to kick you out. She was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> and so we were having... That's the first time ever that I was having a life conversation with someone and we were equally as confused. Like, I'm sorry, 
But let me have gone ahead and paired up with some of my black friends. They're like, yeah, they told me that. Too. You you see what I'm saying? Like we having me too moments and I'm looking at this young lady. I'm like, I'm confused. She was like, no, I move out when I'm, no, I move out when I'm married. That doesn't, my parents wouldn't. Really? Maybe that's why your very, your outcome looks different. Cause your variables were different than mine. So you got a whole head start in a whole different way. Because of what was ingrained in you. Holy smoke. I'm sorry. And so that lead me to ask more questions. I mean, little stuff. How do you wash your hair? You got to wash your hair every morning. I was having such a, a out of cultural experience that I was like, this is abnormal. But then I realized, no, it's only normal for whatever your particular generation decided to keep normal. And I, just to make, and I love the way the Holy Spirit speaks to me just to make it so that I don't feel like, man, I was born in the wrong family, man. I wish I was Caucasian too, man. I wish that I was, you know, <laughs> and, and that's my, oh man, what was me voice, right? It's like, no, 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 no. Holy Spirit was like, uh-uh, chin up buttercup. This thing is biblical. I was like, really? He was like, Yes. This is why I want you to be woke because this is not just, oh, your family only, oh, your culture only, oh, your bloodline, and nah, 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 you got the wrong one. <laughs> no, this is biblical. This has been happening since the biblical times, ma'am. I said, Holy, Holy Spirit, show me. He said, and will go to Genesis 12. I said, oh, okay, you about to have me read about Abram. He was like, and will. So Genesis 12, I want to start at verse 10. You know, I read from the NOT version. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. 11. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. 13. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. 14. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. 13. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. 16. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. 17. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. 18. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? 19. Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. 20. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them. And he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. Mm. You're like, okay. I mean, I could, I can understand, you know, being afraid, being like, listen, God told us to leave my father's house and now we about to go somewhere else. And I'm traveling with this bad one. <laughs> you understand? Uh, and, but I'm not about, I don't got them hands and I don't got them skills. So I'm just going to make up 
a story that's kind of gonna uh, and you know what praise god that the pharaoh didn't off with his head because he wouldn't have been the father of um abraham isaac and jacob i, I don't even know if it would have been the isaac and the jacob had he not but then the holy spirit was like now i want you to keep that in mind and go to genesis 26 and i want you to read what isaac did okay one a severe famine now struck the land. Time out. This is starting to feel like a repeat. Holy Spirit was like, continue. I said, okay. A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abram's time. Hmm. Setting the scene up. Okay. Holy Spirit, I see how you did that. Continue. So Isaac moved to Gerah, where Amalek, king of the Philistines, lived. Two, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. But do as I tell you. Three, live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. Four, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Five. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. Six. So Isaac stayed in Gura. Seven. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say, she is my wife, he thought. They will kill me to get her because she's so beautiful. Eight. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Nine, immediately Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, she is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her from me, Isaac replied. Ten, how could you do this to us? Abimelech explained. One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of a great sin. 11. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. Pause. Hmm. That seems to be a generational curse, don't you think? That Abram was too afraid, too fearful what other people might do to him or other people might say or what may come of the fact that he had a wife that was super popping. And so he decided, you know what, let me go ahead and lie to preserve my life. It is not a coincidence that uh, I don't even know, and the Bible doesn't illustrate it, I don't even know if Abraham told Isaac, like, look, one time when your mother was Sarai, no, not when she was Sarah, um, Sarai, and then, nope, before I was Abraham, when I was Abram, um, like, listen, your mother was bad back in the day, like, to the point that when there was a famine, I was like, I want to eat more than I want to be married. So, like, I'm just going to tell people she's my sister. Like, I don't even know if that was a father-son conversation to be had. But you know what? No matter if it was had or not, it was something that was passed down generationally. Because in the same circumstances, with the same famine, without even being coached through it, Isaac responded the same way his father did. The same exact way. He had the same fearful thought. He had the same problem. He, he, he got 99 problems, but an ugly wife, not one. You understand? Like it was, it was the same situation, the same kind of setup. And what did he do? Exactly what his father did. The Bible says again in seven, when the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. 
He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get her because she's so beautiful. Mm. Abraham, what did you pass down generationally? What was the curse that you let be passed down generationally? Fear. Fear what other people are going to think. Fear of, uh, of, of the pressure of having a beautiful wife. Fear of, I know God, but he can't cover me and my wife in this way. Fear. Fear to the point that you will go ahead and let somebody else uh, enter a sin that is literally terrible. You will let somebody enter a sin just so that you can be saved. So again, generational wealth is way more than money. I wish this probably would have read different if Abraham was like, look, I'm looking at Rebecca in my old age, and she reminds me a lot of your mother. I ain't going to hold you. I'm talking about she's a brick. You understand? Like, I see it, sir. And so what I'm going to go ahead and tell you is, look, there may be a time, because famine is a thing in all day. There may be a time that you just may feel, you know, a little bit of the coward gene come out of you. And what I want to go ahead and tell you is whatever you do, just do not tell anyone she is your sister. I'd rather you just hit them with the Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, like you can't see her. You don't know what they're talking about kind of thing. But don't let somebody else enter sin because you don't know how to stand your ground. Okay. Like, I couldn't do it when I was younger, but if I could tell you anything to do, being if I could do it again and looking at you, you you, you chose the way that I did. I ain't going to hold you. So, like, you, you're going to have to do what I was unable to do. Hmm? And the fact that Abram, Abraham had a hand in choosing Rebecca for him, for his son, that should have been a conversation they had earlier on. That should have been a conversation that was like, ah, I could see this replaying. Because life and God has this amazing way that if you failed the test one time, you're supposed to pass the lesson along. So that no one else has to fail in that area again. You failed it for the for the bloodline. You don't you don't gotta let nobody else do that. No, you failed it for the bloodline. That's how it should start looking. I'm not letting nobody else repeat this lesson. I already did this. That, that's why the Bible says, listen, it's nothing new under the sun. That's why when parents were screaming at us, they was like, listen, I was a kid once. No, 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 no. I'm from your offspring. I'm from your loins. I'm from your ovaries. So you should look at the, some of the stuff that I'm doing and go, mm, not, oh, you think you slick? I know exactly what you're doing. No, say to me, yo, I had those same urges. And if I could do it again, this is what I want to tell you. No, don't scream at me and be mad at me because you're starting to see stuff in me and that you don't like. And what you actually are mad at is that you see yourself in me. Hmm? Don't get mad when I start dating that I'm starting to pick the way that you did. So maybe instead of going ahead and judging me and telling me that I'm stupid or telling me that, you know what, you always want to save somebody. Won't you sit me down and say, listen, it looks like you had the same heart that I had pre all the scars and the damage that was done afterward. But I want to go ahead and say something. The heart that you have, I need you to choose differently because big hearted people get hurt the deepest. Like I wish you would have had that talk. I wish you would have said, listen, I didn't have the courage to stand up and do A, B, and C. So I can now see the effects of that. And so I'm going to give you the jewels, the lessons that would have prevented me from creating my own torture chamber on earth. The guilt trips that I put myself through. The man, I shouldn't, like, I see the way that you speak and I see the way that you speak to yourself. And what I want to go ahead and just add to you is if you don't have grace with yourself, you won't have grace for anyone else.
When you make a mistake, it's okay. You're human. It comes with the human package. But praise God for the salvation package because there's nothing that you can do that would separate you from what God has for you. Imagine if we had those talks. You see what I'm saying? And so my challenge to you is be aware enough to acknowledge what was passed down generationally to you to make sure that it ends with you. And then on the same token, work on adding and implementing some new wealth generationally, not just financially. Let's go ahead and put some emotional stability in the chat. Let's go ahead and add some mental stability in the chat. Let's go ahead and add the fact that, no, I want you to work in your purpose, on purpose, and in your calling. Know that, you know what, if you didn't have a support system, we're not passing it down that, you know what, <laughs> look, at, look at the way I turned out. Yeah, but you know what, it would have been a little bit easier if you had that. So why don't you create that for your generations to come? Because what does the scripture say, um, grandbabies? In Proverbs 13, 20, 22 NIV this time a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous what did you inherit and what are you leaving behind to be inherited for your children's children children Holy Spirit, do your thing. Listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. Sure do. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. As a matter of fact, as soon as I get the phone with you, I'm going to call my son. <laughs> because I'm I'm so aware that God created me to create new generational wealth. And it doesn't just look like money. It looks like freedom and some other things I'm going to share with him. But listen, uh, you have a website to go to. Hmm? Confused? Uh, www.created, the number two, multiply.com has all the things and all the things, you know, your girls on YouTube created to multiply mm-hmm. go ahead and get that too uh you know your girl also has a texting and blogging community on the patreon yeah under strive the letter in inspired it's all the things listen i'm gonna use this oil of encouragement who not gonna use it <laughs> very much me but uh you have stuff that you need to go ahead and click on and do all the internet web and things mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go we'll talk later later